I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello. Oh, are you feeling a bit back to school? Oh my God, I'm feeling so back to school. I've got such a big year, and I've already told you about this, but um, I've got Mickey, my youngest, starting reception. Uh, my seven-year-old's just starting year three. That's fine. Uh, my 11-year-old's starting secondary school. My 14-year-old's starting GCSE. And my 19-year-old is... Um, well, he's starting a foundation at uni, and he's also going to be moving out quite soon. He's going to move down the road in with my mum. I think that's quite smart. Do you like it? Basically, she lives on her own now. Sunny will be able to sh- live with her and they can both keep an eye on each other and they're really close. And for me, it's a bit of a, like, soft moving out. Like, I don't want him to leave the house, but he's only with my mum 10 minutes away. So he gets a bit of independence. I get his bedroom back. This will be very useful. And um, I think it'll be good for him even though. Oh, I'm going to miss having him under my roof. But anyway, what that means is big year for the Joneses and I recently got down we've got these massive bags of uniform where I've basically just chucked uniform since dot all the way up to you know finishing secondary and they're massive heavy bags those big kind of like you know like those laundry bags zip up laundry bags so I pulled those down from the attic and I managed to get rid of a few bits that I think I can move on to other places or uniform that won't go anywhere for my kids anymore wrong color that kind of thing and worked out what everybody needs. And then Mickey was so excited about his new uniform that he wore it for like a week solid. He doesn't start school until the middle of September, but he was really excited. And yeah, I'm at that funny bit that I'm sure you get to if you've got small people in your house where I am looking forward to them going back to school, but I also feel a bit sad about it because I like, I like having them all around and, oh, I don't miss doing the school run and I've got to do it tomorrow. Anyway, 
blah de blah de blah How's everything with you? Um, everything is kind of coming to an end with this festival season for me as well. I've got one this weekend or uh, yesterday, as it will be for you if you're hearing this on Monday. And then I've also got one final one next Friday. And then that's it. I'm, I'm done for the summer. That's the end of my festival season. And then weirdly, I've started to think about the Christmas tour because I've got to get all that sorted. And also, I just want to sort my house out a bit. I just feel like it needs a good sort out. Anyway, it's all good. It all feels sort of creeping towards autumn. Where's the year gone? I'm sure I feel like that every year. This week's podcast guest was an absolute delight. I had Susie Ruffle, a comedian, come over to my house. And if I do say so myself, I got on like a blooming house on fire. I really loved her company. Um, she's smart, she's funny, she's interesting. It was just a really good chat. So I think... You're in for a treat and I'm looking forward to hearing it back. I didn't know her at all. I knew she was lovely. My mum had worked with her on something. And if my mum says someone's lovely, it often turns out to be true. And yeah, I just thought she was a really brilliant person, interesting. And I'm also just probably like, you know, any of us that don't do it, completely intrigued at the idea of stand-up. Probably, though, not in the way that most people might think. I think for a lot of people, the idea of doing stand-up is a complete um, anxiety attack. I actually would quite like the idea to the extent, and I'm pretty sure I've said this to Susie in our chat, to the extent where if I'm watching... <laughs> this is weird, by the way. If I'm watching stand-up, I'll prepare a joke just in case, like... I suppose it's a bit like, you know, if there's a medical emergency on a plane and they go, is there a doctor in the house? I feel like if there's a medical emergency or some kind of disaster on stage at a comedy gig, they might say, can anyone step in last minute and I'm ready? I've got some very, you know, some material that I feel will appeal to the broad demographic. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Um, my band, who have to watch me sometimes stroll back and forth at the front of the stage doing said potential stand-up, would probably say just stick to music but you know you might sometimes be someday one be in like comedy club and suddenly it's like <gasps> we need an emergency comedian and, and I'll hop up <laughs> it would be such a disaster but anyway that's that's where my thoughts are with that so listen uh let's listen to this while I'm listening I'm going to continue what I'm doing which is sorting out uniform for tomorrow for one who's starting school sorting out gig outfits I've got a really cool thing I'm doing tomorrow evening. I'm going to Blackpool to turn on the illuminations. I know. And Kat, from my management, sent me over a list of everybody who's ever done it. And let me tell you, I am joining history. God damn it. Everyone from Kermit the Frog to Red Rum, the Grand National winning horse, to Blue. They've all turned on the lights. And then on that Wikipedia page, little old me, right there for 2023. And I love Blackpool, and I love I love things that get, you know that look pretty in the night sky. So, I think the Blackpool illuminations are going to give me a lot of wow factor tomorrow. Plus, I went to visit it when I was a kid, so it's got that nice nostalgia for me. So yeah, a nice weekend awaits. I'm just working out what to wear um, for that. I'm planning my weekend a little bit. I've got a couple of gigs after that, but life is good, chugging along. And yeah, probably am. Looking forward to getting a little bit of quiet in the daytime so I can actually get things done. Anyway, see you on the other side. It's lovely to have you back with me for podcast. Sorry it wasn't on last week. It was Bank Holiday Monday and we just took a break. All right, see you in a bit. Bye.
But it's so nice to meet you, Susie. And actually, I think I should have pressed record from the moment you came in because we basically almost chatted through everything. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> we hit yes. the ground running from yeah. the moment you came in. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here in your house, which is full of good stuff. That's kind. I think Come it on. is. No, I really like... <laughs> firstly, I really love your decor and there's just knickknacks everywhere, which is made, making me think, like, I, could, I reckon I could leave with some of it and you wouldn't realise. I would have no idea <laughs> for so long. And if you want, I could probably just fill a bag before you leave. <laughs> now, the thing is, it's funny when you like stuff that's like little itty-bitty nonsense, like I do, because most of it I've bought myself, like, eBay or car boots yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes people would do this thing going, oh, I saw this and thought of you. And generally speaking, it doesn't quite slot in. Yeah. You know, when people think they know your style and they're like, so I will then put it somewhere on the shelf, like in amongst all the other <laughs> frippery. And then I sometimes think like for you coming here, if you latch onto that one item, you might have a totally different idea of me from the thing that someone else thought I would like that I don't like that I've just mm. put on a shelf. Right. Is that too complicated? No, no. If anything, <laughs> it's not complicated of, enough. It Explain more. my paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's nothing that has sprung out that mm. I think... It, it works for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It works for me. I'm not saying it would work for everyone, but for me, it really works. It is a lot. And it's, I'm sort of surrounded by it as you're looking yeah, at me. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. It's, I, I want to really give the listener... And I, I'm seeing little dolls. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a man and a woman that are maybe made out of China. I really like yeah, those. I like those guys. They yeah. seem nice. Yeah. Um, a little baby. Is that a baby sham deer? Maybe? Uh, yeah, that's a baby yeah, sham deer, yeah. A couple of dolls, but they don't look haunted, <laughs> which is my biggest issue with dolls. A lot of mine do, though. Come on. Uh, I could show you. What about the little one in the raincoat? Oh, yeah, she's terrifying. Isn't she extraordinary? Yeah. I mean, who made that? And the Mouseketeer in her yes. sort of crumbling box. box. Yeah, you've kept her in her crumbling box. <laughs> she's desperate to get free. When the door closes at night and all the toys come out to play, she's stuck in the box. It's a nightmare. Well, actually, there was one doll I did have to remove because the kids were like, we actually think that one is haunted. Have, <laughs> so you, seen, to get rid of it. have you seen that film? What's it called? Annabelle about? Oh, I haven't seen it, but I know the one you mean. I mean, don't watch it. It's horrific. <laughs> um, but it is terrifying but I'm a real wimp so that's probably why I think I am quite too but I think that's partly what I like about it is it's like a safe kind of fear with a lot of the things oh because you're like oh well I know the doll so like she wouldn't kill me like so if she's here she's kind of protected okay I'm really seeing into it's great great to spend time with Sophie Ellis Bexby you really get you're not expecting all of it but it's really good to know I've also, before you leave, when we go into the kitchen, I've also got a framed photograph of all my children's hair when they went back to school after lockdown. I don't think I was quite aware what I sent them in looking like. <laughs> There's one example on the, on the top of the... Oh, uh, yeah. It's a lot of hair, is That's a lot of hair. It's sort of a Mick Hucknall vibe. <laughs> I know, but I won't pass that on to him. No, please don't, please don't. <laughs> Just sort of big ginger curls. Yes, lots of it. It was very dense by the time um, we finally took him to a hairdresser again. I think um, it's a good look. <laughs> I think you should have stuck with it. Oh, just to sort of um, avoid the further analysis of what I collect and why. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm very well. <laughs> I'm very well. I'm very excited to uh, be here to meet you and to do the podcast because, as I said to you, I've been listening to it for a long time. Which so is so lovely. It's always nice when you get asked to do a podcast you like, isn't it? Well, that's the dream, <laughs> I would say. And can I ask quite selfishly, what, what drew you to it? Because it'd be interesting for me to know that. Because I'm, I'm a mum, I think. Because well, all, I already, I've seen you a couple of times at different festivals over the years mm. and I was... I was at that teenage point uh, when uh, Murder on the Dance Floor came out, so I think you 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 loomed quite large <laughs> in sort of my my sort of understanding of pop as a as a young 
ish person and so I think that and I listen and I watched Kitchen Disco in lockdown oh yes so I think that strange days for some I think that an algorithm went for you Mm -hmm. and I said thank you (laughs) and then started listening and so yeah I think and I've had I know a few people that have been on the show and so yeah and I think as well I'm really interested in how other mums are doing it yes me too endlessly actually yeah because I think I, I constantly think I, I'm, I'm often in a place where I'm like, I'm smashing this. Oh, I'm fucking everything up. Like, it, I, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's not very... I'm allowed to swear, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bollocks. Um, I, <laughs> just because I can. Uh, but I feel like I'm... Quite rarely am I like, I'm in the middle and I'm chugging along. It's either like, yeah. I'm really doing great at this. Look at me. Look at me in this soft play centre, smashing it, being the funnest mum here. And then, Or I'm like, oh, God, I'm on tour. I feel terrible. I've just left and she's crying saying, don't go, mama, no tour, no tour. And uh, So you've got to that stage. We've got to that stage. That's quite tough, isn't it, when they start articulating that, no, don't no leave, and all, yeah. or having an idea of days away, like when are you back? Is it tomorrow yeah. morning? Or? Yeah, all those things. Yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, I'm constantly fascinated. And it's something that I talk to a lot of my friends and mums as well about, like, how, how do you know that you're not screwing them up? Well, I think... And I've come to you for the answer, so... <laughs> well, what I would say is that I think if you're asking yourself that, it means you're, you're not, really. Yeah. Because in, from what I can see, the people that are doing more, more damage aren't thinking at all about how their child's feeling about any of it. Yes. I think if you're engaged in what they're seeing and feeling about what you're doing, it probably means you care enough to be doing the right stuff most of the time. Yes. And I have learned as well that... Good enough is, is is where you're aiming for, actually. Yes. You don't need to go above and beyond yes. that. At least that's what I've told myself. No, I think that you're years. right. I think you're right because I think that otherwise it becomes unachievable. Yes. It's the same with work. It's like I've had like this real, uh, in the last, it's actually since I've become a mum in and since like sort of lockdown finished and then she, she's three now. And it was probably in the last 18 months, we've recently moved, we moved down to Brighton um, to have a bit more space and to be a bit further away from everything in a way. Mm-hmm. And I had this real sort of epiphany about work. And maybe you've experienced similar things at some point or another where I had to sort of go, do you know what? If this, what I'm doing right now, isn't enough, I don't know that anything will ever be enough. Um, it was like a conversation I was having with my therapist where she was like, you've got a really good career, you're doing really well. And I was like, oh, yeah, but, like, my friends are doing this and someone's doing that. And, like, and just that idea that, like, of constantly striving for, like, whatever that next thing is, yeah. even if you don't quite know what it is, you're like, oh, I must do another thing, I must be this person or I must be that person. And actually just going, oh, this is great, I'm doing the thing. I've got the job. I've got yeah. the job and I've got the job hopefully forever. And yeah. it's the same thing with being a mum, that it's like, oh, I've, I've got my daughter... And I've got my wife and we're this little unit that are chugging along and, and, and we're all enough. And it's, it was a real sort of, as I said, therapy moment of going like, oh, okay, I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to be all the things that I've, at some point during my 20s, I went, you need to have this thing and that thing and the other thing. And just sort of going, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, and I think as well, particularly in work like ours, where you're quite, uh, you have to be your own cheerleader for a lot mm. of it. And 
you're so encouraged to be at the beginning bit to be looking for the opportunities and well look there's only you know one slot for this and this is this is what something that we good for you to get and then it all is all make or break with I didn't get it but that person did and oh oh this time I did get it but okay now the next thing like the Jacob's mm. Ladder thing if there's always the run yeah totally above you and sort of getting yourself out of that feeling it's it's really good to um consciously stop that because I think the older you get the worst look that is yes on yourself anyway about comparison and totally where it's supposed it, to be is it in the music industry does it feel like it feels less like it now certainly but certainly when I was coming through as a stand-up it felt like there was like the girl that did the job there was mm. lots of boys that did the job but then there was like one girl that got to do this show one girl that got to do you're nodding yeah yeah is it, because I think that that's an interesting thing as well of going like well girls there can only be one of you yeah so and I think it's it has changed now but certainly there was a time when getting onto like a panel show was totally impenetrable. I just couldn't get, yeah. even though I was having great gigs and doing really well, I just, it was like, we've got four girls that do them. That's enough. That's so true. And I think also, because my mum was working as a TV presenter yeah. and she would talk about it as I was growing up and about how like, it was like a pyramid. So the, the further along you went in terms of how old you were, the, the, uh, the smaller the bank of women that would be the people that they would go to for those jobs. Yes, totally. So it gets narrower and narrower. And yeah. So like if you're like in the 50 plus category, it's these women. And if you're in the yeah. 60 plus, it's those two. And yes. It's like, so and there's one that we use at 70. And if she's busy, we won't make the show. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we'll forfeit the show. So, yeah, I think it's funny though, because someone yesterday actually was talking to me about opportunities I get older I'm in my 40s now and I just turned 44 last week and he was saying oh you know how do you feel about the opportunities changing as you get older and I said actually the thing I didn't realize when I was younger is I now feel quite oblivious to that because mm. the things I'm looking to do and the things that I'm noticing in my world have have shifted as well yes. <laughs> they've evolved as well and I think when I was younger it was all about being super relevant and being in that like heady hot flush of all the big things that could mm. be happening and then there's a whole world beyond that and a way to have a career and keep feeling satisfied that's I probably would have felt a bit sorry for myself when I was younger looking forward to it yeah. when you get there you're like oh no this is great I really like it thank you yeah and it's about <laughs> that balance isn't it because I mean the podcast is called spinning plates but it's about like you for every job that you take there's like not a forfeit but there's there's something that comes with it. There's a sliding scale where you go, yeah. well, if I, you know, I was asked to go abroad and do like a month of shows and it would have been, you know, four years ago, I would have jumped at the chance. I was like knocking on that door. And then of course the door swings open when I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. I'm sure it'd be fun. It might be nice for my career. I might get to do some TV abroad. I don't know how much that's going to change my life. You also kind of learn that sometimes those things dangled in front of you might not lead to the things that people tell you they're going yes. to. Because you've sort of learnt that a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> you become, I think, better the longer that you're in any, any industry, I'm sure. But for me, I've certainly got better at going, well, I'm just going to do... You know, people will say, well, if you do that gig, you might get onto that show. Or you might, if you do that show, you might get onto that show. And then if you get on that show, you might host that show. And then if you might host that show, you might get your own TV series. Mm. And for a long time, I sort of, as you said, with the Jacob's Ladder, like you'd constantly feel like you were going up. But then actually, and it was actually my friend Romesh who said this, which I found, Romesh Ranganathan, the stand-up, which I found so uh, useful when he was like, you've got to just play the thing that's in front of you. Don't try and play the thing to get to the next thing. Yeah. Just do the thing that's in front of you and do it well. And that was so eye-opening to go, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. I don't know why I, I sort of created this sort of like internal talk 
of going, you've got to get here and then you've got to get there and you're on this treadmill and, you know, you've got to do it by the time you're this age because of, you know, that bank that you're talking about, you know, I want to be the one woman that's 70 that's still on time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't know what question you asked and we've really gone around about I think we're just chatting that. now. Great. But I, I think as well it's like, um, sort of leading on from what Ramesh said, I think it's also about getting the most fun and pleasure totally. from where you're at. Because actually that does kind of, um, I mean, we talk a lot about authenticity, but actually mm. if you are totally engaged and getting a lot of joy out of where you're at, it automatically becomes something that leads yeah. into other things anyway. Or if it doesn't, then you would just really love doing it and totally. feel more resolved, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. So I've always really, I think some stand-ups get into stand-up to get onto telly, to do maybe presenting or to do, have a sitcom. Um, which are things that I'm sure would be fun and I'm sure I'd enjoy if I did them. But for me, it's always been about the stand-up. Mm. I love being a stand-up. Nothing gives me more joy than being on stage with a live audience. It's my thing. I and love that's it. what you're doing at the moment, And that's right? what I do. But you're on so tour right I'm on now. tour, yeah, right now. Yeah, so I was in Manchester a couple of nights ago. Tonight I'm in Brighton. Um, You've got a gig tonight? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I don't so, know why I thought you'd lead like, a whole day run up to prepare. Oh, no, I have about 20 minutes of going. Um, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Just on your own in the dressing room? Doing my makeup quite methodically. I'm the same. The yeah. makeup thing is what gets me into the right headspace. Yeah. And then I'll iron my little show shirt. Oh. I have quite jazzy shirts for shows. And so I'll iron my show shirt. And it'll be... And then I've got a really, like, upbeat playlist. Oh, cool. You listen which, to music. Yeah. So I've got... When I was at the Edinburgh Festival, I used to count... have Work out how long the journey was between my... Uh, so when you do the Edinburgh Festival, for those who don't know, you do 26 nights on the bounce, uh, an hour every night, and uh, hope for the best. And uh, where I was living, I would always have exactly the right amount of songs to get me to the door... Of the, of the venue. That's cool. And so, it would, but it would be stuff that would like build up. So like, I think the first one was Call Me Al, Paul Simon. Nice. And then like maybe a couple of Queen songs. Cool. And then maybe a Dolly Parton thrown in. Excellent. Just, just stuff that would like make me feel like, I'm going to have a great one, but I'm also going to have fun. Like. That's so cool. So yeah, it gave you a little, little yeah, sass like a little in your boost. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then I also learned a way where I knew I wouldn't bump into any other stand-ups because the last thing you need is someone telling you that they've just had a great show. No way, that's no, I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> or saying something like, have you had loads of critics in? You're like, blah, 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 Just like, just see these ruffle crying in a bin. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I have to sort of like boost myself up. I find music is like, I can, I can wake up some mornings being like, am I a bit depressed? And then I put on some good music and I'm like, Oh, no, I'm fine. I just, it just lifts me. Isn't that incredible how yeah. music can do that? It's, it's my tonic as well, actually. And I think I can picture you. Yeah. Got a gig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've got... Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it is the thing. It's the thing for me. I love it. So can you describe for me a little bit about what it feels like? What's, what is the love when you're on stage like that? Uh, so I think... It's about, for me, it's about sort of like complete ownership of who I am. So I think I'm gay and growing up, I, that would have made sense earlier because I think I said I had a wife. Um, I, uh, growing up, I really had to sort of hide parts of myself. I was very scared to come out. I, I probably knew I was gay from when I was about 14. I didn't come out until I was 21. And so that's like seven years of like, don't be you. Don't, whatever you do, don't be you. And so because of that, I think that I, uh, 
I, 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 I love being, I mean, it's authentic, isn't it? It's the word you used before, but like being totally myself on stage, totally unapologetically and talking about stuff, not, not specifically talking about being gay, but talking about things like having anxiety, having, I, I used to have re- a routine called the 3am press conference when I'd go through all the things that come into my head at 3am when I can't sleep. <laughs> and I often think that people laughing is them saying, me too. It's them saying, yeah, I'm, I'm the same, or laughing and going, oh, you do that. Yeah. And um, that's the thing with stand-up, and I'm sure it's the same with live music. Like, those specific gigs will only happen once. Those people will be in. Yeah. And obviously with stand-up, you often chat to the crowd. You'll be like, okay, so you've got children, what's, how's it going? Like, you know, different bits and bobs that, uh, that happen in the gig that will never happen again. Yeah. Little bits of crowd work, little bits of fun back and forth. Someone doing a funny laugh at a setup, and then everyone laughing at the fact that they've laughed at the setup because they can see where something's going or they're assuming something. All that stuff makes it feel really live, yeah, and really exciting. And the thrill of doing stand up is, I can, I on the way home today, I could think of a thing. I actually thought of a thing on the way here where I thought, I wonder if I'll say that tonight. I woke up with a really achy shoulder, and I thought, I know that I'm. This isn't a bit, but like I thought, I bet I could write a bit about the fact that I know that I'm 37 because I can injure myself just by sleeping. <laughs> like, once upon a time, it would have been like, what did you do? Oh, I was in a mosh pit or like, yeah, I was just... hammered and I fell down the stairs. Like, it would... Now it's yeah. like, oh, I slept hard. Like, that's how I hurt myself. And I thought, oh, so, and I could just try that on stage tonight mm. and see if it works. And there's a real thrill about, you know, I often write my stuff at the kitchen table of being like, oh, I've written this at my kitchen table today. And then you go on stage tonight and the audience go, yeah. Or they go, no, that's just you. And you have to go, oh, okay, I won't say that again. <laughs> well, so funny. much of what you're saying I really identify with because I think of gigs, my gigs like a date. And you've got oh. that kind of, it's a two-way street really. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've got like the first few minutes where you kind of slightly suss out the mood. Yes. And, and my goal is always to get to a same place by the end. Right, we've okay. got to feel like we've all formed together this mm-hmm. sort of community of like, yay. But sometimes it's easy. You can walk out and they're like, right. And you're like, oh, yeah. great. This is the wind's in the right direction. Yes, Wicked. right. Other times it's like, okay, I'm going to show you how you can trust me and how you can trust that I've got this. Because there's an awkwardness in watching someone on stage, isn't yes. there? I feel like that when I'm in the crowd. I can be like, oh, God, for that person. Yes. So I want to reassure them that, like, it's fine. I've got this. You be, don't worry about you. Your reaction can come when you're ready. I'll just take us there. But <laughs> I was thinking as well, like, for a lot of people you speak to about stand-up, they must go, oh, my God, that's my worst nightmare. Yes. But actually, for me, I, the longer I've been doing my shows, the more stand-up is part of it. So oh, when you said about right. the shoulder, I'm like, feasibly, I could have done the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> have it. I'll be, like, I'll be like, oh, that funny thing happened. I'm definitely going to mention that on stage. Great. I do um, quite long shticks now. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, She's going to alarm you. Feel no. free to sing a song in yours. No, I, I do in yours actually. <laughs> Is it okay if I don't pay PRS? <laughs> That's fine. Live doesn't have to actually. Oh, I don't think. Super. Or maybe it does. Um, Can't remember. I'm not very good at paperwork side of it. But yeah, I'll. Um, I normally, as a sort of a, a jump point, I'm not giving you advice here. By the way, this is just what I do. I'll find out some really quirky facts about where I am. Oh, you're a stand-up. You're a stand-up parading <laughs> as a pop star. Oh, my God. I love it, though. 
I really love okay, it. I, I love should, the chat. Why don't you start doing stand-up? <laughs> because, well, first of all, I don't think there's that much material. I think, I think it's like I'm, a few minutes. I'm looking minutes. around your house. Like, I think, you're quirky. I reckon you've got material in there. You've just got to find it. Do you know something? When I watch people do stand-up, I've, I've watched stand-up for a long time. I used to live in Camden and there was always loads yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And... I always have this thing where I feel like at any time if I'm looking, if the comedian and I lock eyes at the right time, I might quantum leap into their body. So I've always got a joke ready just in case. Just in case just you're in case like, oh I God. find myself. God, the, oh, the next stand-up's not here. It's in the yeah. crowd. Oh my God, there's Sophia Lispector. Or, Maybe she could do, do you have a set? Yeah, 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 I can do a set. <laughs> I'm always like, what is it? What do I start with? <laughs> I, think that, I think that you're a secret stand-up. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's scary, but I also think I do like that thing of the heightened sense. And I do think the more you flex that muscle, the better you get. More totally. Com- you've had all the bad stuff happen. You've had the dire gigs. You've yeah, had of the course. awkward heckles. You've yeah. had the joke fall flat. And then you're like, okay, it, it's fine. What happens next? Fine. Yeah. I get up, you know, I get up the <laughs> next day, whatever happens. You know, it doesn't. Uh, I think once upon a time, when you're really new at stand up, the highs are unbelievably high like the first time that you get to do like a 10 minute spot and you smash it in a proper club mm. like for the next three days you know I felt like I was like the you know I was like I've served stand up I'm so good like you know I was on such a high not being arrogant no. not even telling anyone but like walking around with a spring in my step like oh my god I'm amazing at this this is so great and then of course like three days later you'll do the exact same material in a different room for some reason you don't quite click with them you bring on a, an unusual energy you've not something's happened or they have a weird energy someone's done a set before you which was you know not great or whatever and then you do the same set and it dies and then I would feel terrible for three days whereas now it's like good gig bad gig yeah like obviously when you're professional and when you're touring you're more likely to have lovely shows but um I think the bad ones hurt me less and the amazing ones will be like a high for like 20 minutes and how and much then, is that to do with experience and getting older and how much is it to do with feeling sort of content in your own actual world you've built around you? Maybe 50-50. Ah, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think that I know that... 
I don't think that everyone will like my stand-up and I'm fine with that. For a long time, I really wanted to be everyone's favourite, but you can't be. Mm. You know, to be someone's favourite, you have to be someone's least favourite. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> well, what about the fact that it's quite a, something you do on your own a lot and you spend a lot of time in your own company? Yeah, it can be quite lonely. Uh, something that I've noticed more since having a family. Sort of, you know, that sort of longing to get home and to be there for breakfast or, you know, when they're having dinner and I'm like, Oh, I'm having a Nando's. <laughs> in, yeah. You know, um, and it's, yeah, I think that it's, you know, you, you get you get better at, at, at doing stand-up. So I know that I'm, for people that like the kind of comedy that I do, I know that I'm good. But, uh, touch wood. Uh, but I think that I, there's a contentness in my life outside of comedy. There was a period where comedy was like my best friend. I had, about eight years ago, I had a terrible breakup and I was a real mess and stand-up was, I was still funny. And I felt like I'd lost everything apart from being funny. Like, my friendship group shifted somewhat. My, uh, we were living together, so, like, she moved out. And then, like, a friend moved in, which was great, but, like, it was different. And I just felt like I didn't know who I was. Mm. Because we'd been together for a while. I sort of thought at the time that that might have been, like, the big relationship. And it wasn't. And I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was or what to do. I didn't know even know, like what to wear. Like I, I just, yeah, just was really, yeah, really all at. over the shop. But I still had funny. And it was my, I, I was so grateful to stand up. And I would go on stage and talk about how, how shit my day had been and, and, and being dumped and, and everyone would laugh. And then I realised like, oh, that's because we've all had these experiences. Yeah, everybody's experienced that, yeah. Like it's, it's really normal to have your heart broken. And then that's the great thing about stand-up is that it can be really cathartic. And I mean, you know, watching someone all performing it where, you know, it's like love songs. Mm. You know, it, it's something that everyone can relate to. And so in those moments, stand-up was everything. And then when I met Alice, my wife, um, for, for the first few years of our relationship, it did all sort of have to fit around my career. I was still at the stage where I was, you know, I was doing a little tours and I was occasionally doing bits of telly and our... Uh, relationship had to sort of fit around that and then when we decided that we wanted to be parents and we began that journey into becoming mums Alice sort of said to me she was like I'm like family has to be the thing now mm -hmm. not in a horrible way but you know it was a, an important conversation that we had to have where it was like it, she was like you know I don't I, I, I we can't our lives can't all fit around your job now which I think is really important it's a real leveler so yeah. uh working out how my family come first, but then I still get to do a job that I love and still get to give it as much as I want to is like an ongoing plate spin. Yes. Well, yes, it does continue in that way. But I think I was thinking about this because I, when I had my first baby, I didn't know I was going to have a baby. But obviously, if you're in a same-sex couple, you've got to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking for a lot of relationships, that must actually be a real positive thing because you've actually taken it on with like your eyes wide open yeah. in terms of the dynamic shift. Yeah. A lot of conversations you wouldn't have if it was just a kind of... No, I think we did, yeah, I think we did like a lot of those chats which were really, which now have been really beneficial. Like about what we, what we wanted and what we needed. We were sort of like, like for example, for me, I said to Alice like, I like occasionally need a pat on the head. I know that's sort of, quite embarrassing but I don't mind admitting it and that I need someone to be like you're doing well you're, you're doing great 
I love things like that. Yeah, I, like, I love praise. Like, mm, after I've done a TV show, I, like, literally walk up to my agent and she's like, well done, you, you did it right. And I was like, thank you. Thank <laughs> it's you. your treat. Yeah, like, it, it just was because I, there's, you know, her opinion and my wife's opinion and a handful of other people, they're the people that I really care mm. about. And so I need them to tell me that I've done well and then I sort of believe it myself. Oh my God, yeah. I definitely need that. Yeah. there's any shame in that at no, all. No, but I think I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's very girl bossy, which I'm not trying to be. <laughs> no, but they're people you care about. Yeah. And it, it's about giving you that feeling like that sort of... I feel like I've got people around me and so long as everything is right with where we're at, I don't really need to know about anyone else. Exactly that. Yes. And I don't think that's. I don't think that means that I've got a weakness in myself. I think that means that there's a... A respect and a love yeah. in those relationships. Yes, yes. And she thinks it's so. I see it as a good thing like that. Yeah, and I think it's good to know what you need. Definitely, and actually, it's funny you say that with regard to your wife and you because I think when Richard is, if he's finding something tricky, I'll be doing lots of that kind of talk. But actually, he doesn't really need that from me. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Tell me I'm doing really well. Tell me I'm great. Yeah, like, totally, totally. <laughs> well done for this. I'm like. So like if he, I don't know, something little like, he'll take the bins out and I'll go like, well done for doing that. I don't, I, I would love that back. I love it. Well done for emptying the dishwasher. I like it. Yeah. Just really. I'm Do you a very want a sticker chart? <laughs> I would be happy with that. I'm a very simple creature in that regard. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Like pat me on the head. Yeah. Give me a chocolate bar. Tell me I'm well. Yeah. Well, I think as well, it's probably why we both find ourselves going on stage because it's yeah. a funny thing to want to, to need that. Yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah, got yeah. to be a reason why you've stood up in front of a room full of people oh, going, 100%. do you think I'm great? Because yeah. you've half got to have the confidence trick of thinking there's a reason why I'm stood up here right now mm -hmm. and I'm going to present something, but also please really like me for yeah, it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't have enough friends when I was growing up and now people laughing at me is, is them going... We like you and me going, thanks, they were wrong, right? Like, there's a teenage part of me <laughs> that's, that's so still true. in there. I feel like that too. And also, when, with my limited experience of stand-up... No, I've made no, every... you're a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I won't have it any other way. My band might disagree. They sometimes are like, start the next song. <laughs> <laughs> but are you doing it like over a riff? Are you doing like a bit like a sort of a lounge act, which I'd love? Well, when I started, I didn't speak at all. In, in between songs, if something was going wrong, I'd just tell like a knock-knock joke or something. Oh, wow. But I think I realised that... I think that... telling a knock-knock joke has, is, is more confident <laughs> than actually doing a bit. <laughs> But that's like, I'm going to do a joke joke. But then I've realised that the thing I, what I like about the humour and making a joke is it relaxes me. Yeah. And it stops the pretense of me needing to feel like I'm some sort of, you know, presenter of the night. Yeah. I'm like, let's just break the ice, break yes. the tension. Let's just be in on something. Also, it makes um, people feel like you're human and you're yeah. a person and you're, it's an experience that we're all having together rather exactly. than just watching something. Yeah, and I, so I do that quite early on, make a joke, but... But now it's got to the point where I'll like literally like mic in hand, like walking up and down the stage. Oh, I love bit. that for you. <laughs> I love Come that see for you. A gig Please, can I see if you still think? No, it's I'm, right. yes, I'm there. You're gonna be like, it was lovely. The song sounded great. <laughs> no, no, I think I'd love it. Even if you just pretend to laugh, I'll be happy. Oh, either way, I'll laugh. <laughs> I was actually hearing that since you've become a mum, you've changed the way that you tour. Yes, this is very interesting to me. So you do. Two nights on and no more than two nights on, is that right? So I, so with being uh, with being a touring stand-up, so it, my touring isn't the only job that I'm doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm writing staff and I've got different different things in different levels of development. For telly, I've got a couple of podcasts, so there's always different uh, work that I have on. So I've always got my days sort of filled with bits and bobs, but 
I've said bits and bobs more times on this podcast than any other time in my life. <laughs> I wonder I'm, what's bringing that. Yeah, to mind. I don't know. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, uh, but but once upon a time with touring, I'd be like doing like four or five nights, or I'd just be like. You know, I'd do maybe two tour shows, but then I'd be up in Liverpool, so I'd do a weekend there as well, or go and close a show somewhere, which, you know, which is really fun and a really fun way to work. But then as soon as this tour that I'm doing now is sort of the first proper tour that I'm doing since since we've become mums. And so I, I said to my agent, who is enormously uh, supportive and also has a child and is in, and has a child of a similar age to mine, and we sort of get each other. She's looked after me since uh, I think like about 12 years. I think she signed me when I had about 10 minutes of material. So she has watched me go from, you know, the open spot to the to the opener, to the closer, to, you know, doing first little breaks on telly, to hosting live at the Apollo, to doing my own tours, to doing specials. You know, she's been there through all of it. And she really got it. I was just like, I just don't want to be away loads. So I the tour sort of, yeah, I might do two or three tour shows a week. Uh, the most I'll do is two nights away and then I might do a third night of the tour, but then we'll drive back through the night so that I'm there in the morning and, like, I'm a bit tired, but I'm still there. Mm -hmm. But because certainly at this point, and, like, you've got so much experience with, like, different ages of children, but she's three. And I only... We're only going to get her at three once. Mm. And I, you know, it won't be long until she's at school and then she'll have maybe activities after school or hobbies. And now's the bit, it, it feels, for me, where I can go and pick her up from nursery early and we can go and have an ice cream on the beach and we can get that time where it's just me and her mm. and it feels really special or the, just the three of us and I try and get as much of that time as possible because I think that I think that I had to just get to a place where I would trust that my career would still be there if I put my family first and I still I love my job. I love being a stand-up. I get such joy. I get such joy from it. And I'm so delighted that so many people come and see me. It's amazing. It's like, it's my dream. I love it. But I've got to trust that it, it, it's still, like, it's still there if I'm mama for a bit. Yeah. And I think we're so lucky, both of us, that we also get, we get that release from our work. Mm. But also that you can put experiences into your work and yeah for space. sure because you've been talking a little bit about you still call it the baby I call it the baby yeah I see it capital T capital B. yeah that's right the baby <laughs> the baby it's because my dad calls her the baby but my dad's like a geezer <laughs> my dad goes the baby and I think it sounds like she's like a low-rank gangster like Definitely. look at the baby look at the baby also at three that is literally what they are what the job yeah. description is exactly it's like you're Tiny boss person. Yeah. Uh, you're the epicentre of the world. Yeah. Yeah, we're both a little bit frightened of you and our day is totally dictated by your mood. Mm, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, my youngest just turned four, but he's, like, branching into anything that doesn't go his way. He just does this very sulky face. He goes, you're so mean. Oh. You're so mean, Mama. And I actually showed him his face in a mirror and I said, this is starting to be <laughs> the, the way that I think you just look all the time, Mickey. So but he doesn't really care. He doesn't care. <laughs> which is also part of that yeah. as well. Yeah. But um, how how did you deal with your sort of instincts with how much or how little of parenthood you talked about with your set? Um, I think that I, I don't talk about sort of the ins and outs of her. I think a lot of people are very... People ask a lot of questions about how queer families are made 
And I think I don't need to... When you say people, you mean people at your gigs? No, or? no, no. Like, so I've, I've got a routine about it where a woman in a bakery um, asked Alice and I where we got the sperm. And this is just a stranger <laughs> um, just being like, hey, babe, where'd you get the jizz? Like, I, which I just think is such <laughs> Sorry, a... Sorry, that's yeah. really funny. So I, I've made like a conscious decision not to talk about the ins and outs of anything, who carried, who, like, because everything happened during lockdown. I yeah. just think it, it's not really anyone's business. No. And I like to keep it... Um, you know, Alice is quite private. Mm-hmm. And she... Uh, she said to me, like, you know, you've got to understand that she might not be a show-off like you. She might be... She might not need people to laugh at her. She might be normal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sweetheart. <laughs> I love you. Bye. Um, and, uh, and, and so I don't... I don't ever want to share too much of her because I would hate for her one day to turn around to me and go... Why did you tell Jonathan Ross that about me? I totally get that, actually. And I think... And I think it's up to different parents how they do it. I was going to say, it's totally bespoke, actually, yep. your relationship with that. And also, I, you know, I take great pleasure when people share pictures of their kids doing funny things and stories. Mm. But I think you have to take your own lead totally. from it, don't you? And I totally. don't want my kids feeling weird about certain things as well. So also, they, you just realise that like, they're their own people. Mm. Let's, let, let's see what they feel comfortable sharing. And some things are my, my side of the story. And that's game. what I share. And other bits of it is like... That's about you. Yeah. I've probably done a bit too much sometimes. And I, but, I, and I, but I feel like it's always in relation to me as a parent mm. rather than, you know, I've got stuff about her having tantrums, but it's my reaction to it. Yeah. It's me trying to gentle parent someone that's screaming in Robert Dyer's. Also, the tantrums are really funny. Yeah. I have a tendency before trying to resolve the issue of taking a very quick photo. Oh, I just find great. seeing them like starfish in a supermarket is endlessly funny. I've got a very good one of one of them in Waterstones by the door. Great. They're just funny images. I saw a dad Small the other person day. just like... <laughs> I saw a dad the other day carrying their child by like the back hook of their jeans. <laughs> Out of soft play, just like, no, this is it. We're just going now. Oh, I've definitely done that. I've done a kind of physical straight jacket yeah. on a plane. Yeah. Oh. Where they wiggled free and punched a woman in the aisle next to where we were standing. Wow, on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. No, 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 full purpose. Yeah, it was just a bad moment. It was yeah. like the, still the worst flight I've ever done with the kids. Um, my favourite as well is a story, a family story, is when my mum and my stepdad were taking my brother and sister on a family trip years ago now. And they were at motorway services and they saw a dad lose his temper with his kids who were misbehaving going... This is holiday and you are ruining it. <laughs> so whenever anything's going a bit pear-shaped with us, it's always like, this is holiday and you, you are, are ruining, ruining it. it. I'll take that with me, thank you. <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> um, I was thinking as well, like, because a lot of people would talk about, they asked me a lot, like, oh, are your kids musical? Or do you want them to be musical? But I guess with humour, you would you are hoping that, you know, your daughter would have like a good sense of humour. It's such it seems like such a good indicator yeah. of like... She often tells me I'm not funny. Which <laughs> is course. hard. You know, that's mm. hard. She's like, Mum are not funny. I'd be like, um <laughs> no, I, I, well, I can show okay, you well, some evidence um, that I actually, am. Actually, <laughs> do you know what? Um do you know like you know this you know this nice house? Um actually I am funny. Okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> have I you am heard funny. of Edinburgh? Yeah. Have you heard of uh, the Apo- Live the Apollo? Yeah, okay, so yeah, okay. Well, actually, you know like, I'm, 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 just yeah that's um but yeah I think that I hope that she has a good sense of humor I'm sure she will she's already doing she'll like do a bit like she tries to make people laugh or she'll know that a funny thing to say Mm. or if she gets a laugh out of something she'll try and use that material again which is something I do a lot Um, so it's uh I hardly ever say a joke once (laughs) if it lands well 
You got to keep doing it. I mean, that, that's <laughs> you're on. a stand up. I don't know it. how. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. You're gonna have to come out as a stand up. <laughs> I do like me. Well, I think actually families have almost like a family currency. So mm-hmm. it might be, um, sometimes it can be t- leaning towards, you know, being intellectuals. It could be towards being sporty. Yeah. There's a sort of currency. Yes. It doesn't have to be like all in for it. I'm not saying it's an aggressive way, but it's a sort of thing that you maybe consciously or subconsciously just praise as a, as a yes. family or get excited about. Or enjoy, about. Yeah. yeah. And so here, it's definitely things like uh, being a bit irreverent, a bit silly. Mm. The kids know if they can make me laugh. We'll get around anything. Yeah, great. So I put, put humour and being funny high up. But I think it's such a skill for life. I think like if so you're someone too. that can laugh at yourself, mm. can laugh at a bad situation, can find you know can find a bit of light on the dark days. Mm. I, I think it's not just for someone that's like going to go into a career as a writer. Mm. It's 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 useful. It is, and it's also charming, and it kind of can. Flip the script a little bit on perspective and yeah. just to help ease ease things a bit. Yeah, I think, I think if you so. can find you know, humour can be a gentle thing as well. It doesn't have to be a big like oh, slap your thigh kind of a Yeah, thing. absolutely. And I think there's like a warmth to it. Me too, me too. Which I really love. But it's um but yeah, so I think with talking about it on stage, I want to share you know, share what we're talking about, the warmth of it and the, the joys of family life. And I, and I think it's important. There was part of me that thought, oh, maybe I won't do any material about parenting. But then I thought, I think it's important for me to talk about, important for me, I'm not saying important sort of in a societal manner, but like important for me to talk about it, to talk about being a mum, talk about being a happy mum, talk about being, you know, my wife and I being uh, the joys that we have. Because when I was growing up, and I say this on stage, like when I realised I was gay when I was 14, I sort of thought I won't be a mum because I didn't know any gay mums. I know they exist, like now I know that queer parents have existed for a long time. But then I had, I, I, I thought, oh, well, that's off the table for me. That's not something that I get to be. And so whilst I'm sure loads of teenagers or older people that are growing up now that are coming out know that there's, you know, that know that you can have babies in a, in a whole host of ways. But, you know, it's important for me to stand on stage and say, like, we did it and, like, it's working and we're happy and she's happy. And this is like a story of hope. This is a story of we did it. And, mm. I, and, and that's so important to me to share that side of it because I think that for the longest time, I just... I just didn't think that I'd get to be a mum. I really didn't. I didn't think that it would be in my in my story. And it was it was huge for Alice and I when we became mums. It was massive. It was yeah. It was yeah. It was everything. Yeah, and I think also you're sort of paving the way for, you know, when your daughter grows up, and as you said, like the sort of perception and people that come and watch the show and take that away, even if it's not the, the first thing they think of, it's there. You sort yeah. of laid the paving stones for yeah. people having really positive associations. Well, exactly. And I think as well, like, because I've done, like, you know, my crowds, I get, like, a lot of gay people in, of course. I'm sure you, I bet you've got such a gay following, haven't you? Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously get loads and loads of gay people in. Um, and uh, I get loads of straight people in as well because I do very mainstream TV. You know, like the Apollo or QI or, you know, any of those, Last Leg, those sort of big comedy shows that are on the telly, which means you get 
an amount of, of, of straight people in as well who are very, very welcome as well, of course. And I think it's important that, like, you know, certainly when I play places that aren't massive cities, that don't have hugely diverse types of people... I'm sure they're there, but maybe not visible all of the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that, you know, people come and see me and go, oh, I like her and she's different to anyone that I know or I don't know anyone that's got a family like hers. But, oh, it's just like mine. She's experiencing the same things as what I'm experiencing or what my mum experienced. It's all the same. And yeah. I think that's the thing that I've really tried to do with my stand-up is make it so that it's about sort of connecting and it doesn't matter how different we are it doesn't matter if we look different or if you know we're on a different spectrum with sexuality or any other thing but that we go I feel like this we all feel like this right or like do, do you yeah. have worries like this or do you have anxiety like this or do you, like am I the only woman in her 30s that thinks they've got ADHD like, no they'd be like a massive cheer <laughs> like and so for me that's the thing that is so instant about stand-up and is the thing that I love when I go and watch comics is that it feels, it's, I, when, the first time I saw a stand-up talking about mental health and talking about being anxious, I found it so reassuring. I found it so reassuring. And so I hope that, you know, the, the different things that I pick to talk about, whether it be about being a mum, whether it be about being sort of a gay person in the media, whether it be about being anxious or any of these other things that are parts of who I am, I'm hoping that by talking about them, it's, it's bringing sort of a positivity to it of like, oh, that's 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 usual you know I kind of hate the word normal but you know like that's we're all yeah, feeling that and relatable exactly yeah and actually exactly that's that. pretty much what I was hoping with the podcast as well with yeah. the conversations because Which is what it does. I love talking to about people from all these different walks of life but then there's all these things that we're all feeling mm -hmm. no matter how much you think someone else is just yes, like totally nailing it or exceeding yeah. things or whatever and I wanted to talk to you about your podcast because mm -hmm. um so you've got two. So when did you start the one with Tom Allen? I know the one when... with Tom Allen, I think we started about seven years ago. We were really early That's in the like podcast. That's like podcast, yeah. It was like us and my dad wrote a porno. Oh, yeah. And like a couple of others. Um, and it's, so Tom Allen, fellow stand-up, one of my best friends in the world. We, so we started it because we both didn't have enough work on. And nowadays it's like a, it's like a, gymnastics exercise to try and find time in our diaries just together. Just like half an hour Yeah, because it's really... So last night we did it at eight once he'd finished a day of filming and I'd got back from a tour show and done bedtime. Um, it's nice you're both... You didn't have much work on and now you're both similarly busy. Exactly. Otherwise it'd be great. like, well, my diary is clear. We can talk well, when there's certainly a point where Tom went like uh, up into the air and I was slightly twiddling my thumbs for a minute bit and then, <laughs> and then my cart came in and I got on. I was like, don't worry, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Um, so we do this podcast every week and it's half an hour of two friends catching up. Yeah, it's and lovely. It, it's, it's really gentle and it's quite funny and we talk about, you know, anything from like drag to... Soft furnishings to mm -hmm. grief to sometimes bigger stuff. Um, you know, Tom lost his dad uh, oh, about 18 months ago now. And we spoke, we did quite a few episodes about how he was going through it. And like I said, should we pause for a month? But he was like, no, I want to talk about this. Yeah. And then we received hundreds upon hundreds of emails of people saying, oh, I found that really useful. It was really good to hear. And to hear someone talking about it so openly and talking about how confusing lots of the sort of grief admin is yeah. and so we've done lots of different types of episodes and then we'll do like a correspondence episode which would be like all the things that people have sent in it's just stupid chit chat about <laughs> things people have noticed or they or they want to talk about and uh and yeah so it's um so that's that one and then the other one out which you started actually in the same yes time I started this, yes in absolutely 2020. yes and with that one I wondered if maybe that had a slightly more 
selfish reason for it. I feel like with spinning plates, it's very selfish why I started it. I was very nosy to hear about other people. I wanted to have the experience of meeting lots of amazing people and talking to them about their lives. But also, I was, I'm, I'm always still working out my relationship with work and motherhood. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really good way of me actually getting lots of amazing advice and, and reassurance from lots of different people. But that's what I found from listening to it. Oh, that's I nice. think it's I'm really uh, reassuring. And so what was your reason for starting out? So I think I started it for like the 15-year-old me. Um, I don't know if she knows. She's probably busy at school. And <laughs> um, But quite often when you see queer people portrayed in the media, um, quite, quite often a lot of the big shows will be like AIDS, queer bashing, something sad about lesbians, someone will definitely die, and then the lesbian will leave her partner for a man. That's like a lot of the tropes of like, not tropes, because obviously there's really important stories and like, you know, those those stories are important to tell and obviously talking about the AIDS crisis is really important. But I often feel that when I consume queer media, a lot of it is tinged with great sadness. And I think those stories is important to tell, but that can be a lot. That That like every time you like see a version of yourself on TV, there's a sad story connected to it. So it's never just... uh... They fell in love. Yeah, exactly. It's the there's not really. I think there's been one British lesbian rom com ever, which all lesbians know about, but I don't think anyone else knows about. I think what that is. Oh, what's it called? You and Me Forever? Is it called something like that? Uh, But it's quite like a small scale movie. Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot. I I have heard. I think they might have filmed some of it around here. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, And it's there's not a lot of TV shows where you can turn it on and see. A life like mine analysis. I don't think there's anything like that in the UK at the moment. Um, there's some stuff from the States, but quite often they'll get like two series and then it will get cancelled because they think there's not enough of an audience. And I just really wanted to create something where I could share stories about us succeeding, about life after coming out. So it is called Out and it's about uh, being out, but it is about sort of, the, the next bit, which is, you know, obviously there's ups and downs, but it's about us succeeding, about us loving, about us having a job that we love, about all those fears at school, about us being, you know, ousted from society or not getting the job that you want or all the things that you think when you realise you're gay, or certainly, you know, I can only really talk about myself, when I realised I was gay, I thought that my life was going to be limited by that. I really believed that. I thought I won't have a family. I thought... I wonder how my family would react. I sort of knew in my heart of hearts they'd be fine, but there was always part of me that thought, oh, God, like, is it going to change our relationship massively? I thought, I, I, I went to drama school and trained to be an actress, and I was sort of told at drama school, like, don't be out. And so, like, I knew not to come out, or they said, like, be bisexual, because then, then, then you're castable both ways. I'm actually quite shocked by that. Well, it was sort of, yeah, it was, you know, about 15 years ago now, but I think that's, I think that any lesbian actress of my age would say that someone had said the same thing to them or had told them to stay in the closet, for, for sure. Wow. And gay guys as well. God, that's so disappointing. Yeah, it is. And so there was, I was always sort of, I always thought that I would be limited by my sexuality. Mm. I always thought it was a shame. Even when I was out, I was like, oh, it's a shame. Like, you know, not, you know, I didn't really like that I was gay for a really long time. And it was a real journey of, like, coming out. I think it had a lot to do with me, me doing stand-up, with me being more myself on stage, with people still liking me, even though in spite of my gayness, which now looking back I find really sad that, like, at 27 I was like, oh, they like me even though I'm gay. You know, it's really sad that I used to think that. So I wanted to start out because I really wanted to start a 
podcast about like how great it can be to be gay, about how the wonderful friends that I've got, the incredible careers that people can have. You know, I've interviewed actors, politicians, filmmakers, musicians. I've interviewed all sorts of people, people that have won, you know, Olympic gold medals, you know, all kinds of people that have, that, you know, being gay hasn't held them back. But it, it actually, when they were truly being their authentic self, it propelled them in a way. You know, it gave them an extra bit of vim because they could be who they were in the world and they weren't carrying this, like, backpack of shame that I felt like I had to carry for quite a long time. And so I really wanted to just share those stories. And it's been wonderful because um, the episode hasn't come out yet, but I've interviewed a guy called Ben Aldridge who's this um, British actor who's been in loads of things. He was in Fleabag. He was in loads of different British TV shows. um, And he, he, he he wasn't in the closet as such, but he wasn't out. He was sort of known to his friends and stuff, known to his family, but he wasn't out in a public way. And a little while ago, he just thought, about, about, during the pandemic, he thought, I can't do this anymore. He's like, mid-30s, he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to come out. But he came out, then was like, he got like, Hollywood all of a sudden got interested because they were like, oh, we want to cast gay guys as gay characters. So now he's just done like a massive movie that was out in the cinema. He's been in a movie with Jim Parsons and Sally Field played his mum. Like wow. he's had this, but it's because he was like, oh, I was... that." Who knows whether those opportunities would have happened if he hadn't come out. But yeah. him being himself has propelled his career. And so often we're told that being different, or certainly in the generation that I grew up in, I was told that it was something that I would have to sort of... Diminish. Yeah, or apologise for yeah. a little bit. And so I started the podcast just to... Just so that if there is someone like me who is living in a town like Portsmouth, and I think Portsmouth is nice, but when I lived there, I, I used to think that it was very homophobic just because of the things that I would hear in pubs and it didn't feel enormously diverse at the time. I think that it's really moved on now. And, you know, and there was probably a lot of it clouded by my own feelings at the time as well. But if someone is listening and they can feel hopeful after listening to an episode, that's more important than, you know, the telly and the money and all the things because it means that someone's gone, oh, I'm normal. I'm like them. And I would have loved to have someone said that to me at 15. Yeah, I think it's an amazing thing. And I think those conversations are really important. And I was... Because at first I was thinking, it's interesting because from my gay friends, I can see that for them there's almost like this sort of legacy. They have to... They, they look back at all the people that have gone before them yeah. who have helped them live yeah. the life they have now and they feel like, how can I pay for the next bit? And I was thinking, actually, that's really no different as well when I think about... I don't know, what, what women have done before me to make it so I have my freedoms yeah, I have yeah, now. Yeah, 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 100%. Because at first I was like, oh, is that a big responsibility? And I was like, well, you can engage as much or as little with those things exactly. as you want. But actually, <clears throat> I, do, I do think, I just love the fact you're doing it because I think those conversations, as you say, there will be people who have plugged in and found voices that they will just take away with them for the rest of their life of like things they've heard and... And, and making them feel empowered by it. We're both, like, I'm doing, like, working women who happen to be mums, you're doing, like, working people who happen to be gay. And yeah, so exactly, and, yeah. And all the positives and... That's the thing, and just the fact that it's doable. Yeah, and, and also the okay. honesty about it as yeah. well. So that if you see someone where you think, well, they've got it sorted, they probably had 100%, you know, yeah. support, and then you find out, actually, some of it was really challenging yeah. or difficult, but this is how they worked around it. Yeah, and it's a journey to get to the stage where you feel like you've got it. Mm. Like, it doesn't come overnight, and that's that's what we've tried to share. And the, the interesting thing about the podcast is um, there's, I'm sure you'll you know, there's, there's still 69 countries where it's illegal to be gay, there's 11 where it's punishable by death. And so we have listeners in countries where it's illegal to be us. Yeah. And I've had emails from people who you know, say, like, I'll never be able to come out 
but um, what did they they said that um, the podcast is the little bit of pride in their pocket, oh, which was ju- it was just so I mean it's so sad, but I'm so delighted that I if if, if all I can give them is that little bit, yeah, the and connection is is brilliant, still there, and so it's just the the idea of we have like this one life and then yeah. having to keep part of yourself yeah. out of it yeah, that would actually exactly. give you pleasure and love yeah. isn't, it? isn't it kind of unimaginable actually I think I've led a very luxurious life in that way mm. and I think also you know with I was thinking about the experience of coming out if you're a teenager it must be so awkward even if you know it's going to be well received because um, if you're heterosexual you don't really have to address the bit when you become a sexual person like totally. in, that, in a conversation yes, with your parents yes, yes, yes. you basically said this <laughs> is like, this is what turns me on yeah, exactly. it's such a strange conversation like, i mean that would have been really awkward with my dad yeah like, he didn't leave, even when i got pregnant at 24 that was the first time when i said i was pregnant he went so you've had sex then <gasps> that was the first thing he said to me and richard I think he was, like, really shocked by the whole thing. But he literally went, so you've had sex then? That was the first sentence out of his mouth. And I said, I was having a baby. And presumably you had, so that was embarrassing. Um, so, yeah. It's, um... <laughs> it was, yeah, really, like, bizarre. And then he started asking me. And then he turned to Richard. We had only been going out a very short time, like six weeks. And he said... Oh, wow. Oh, and where did you go to school again? He, he actually, like, lost the plot, my dad, for... About a good sort of ten minutes, and then backed out of our flat, saying but waving bye bye, and then drove away. He was like, "Oh, I know you're not married, but you'll have to have a ceremony with like the, your brothers and sisters being flower children." Oh wow! Yeah, it was like really. Um, the next time you saw him, had he sort of got the idea? Yeah, a bit but that bit it was like watching someone going, <laughs> and he was like self-soothing, like stroking his hair, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm going to be the, uh, the youngest granddad ever." Yeah, I'm going to be the youngest granddad ever, and it's like definitely not. But anyway, it's quite strange. But he has, yeah, he's come, he's come he around. around. He's come around to it now. <laughs> As we approach the nineteenth uh, anniversary yeah. of his uh, grandson's birth, <laughs> it's very strange, though. But that is a thing that, yeah, that is awkward mm. that you have to do. And mm. it's you know, and you don't come out once; you come out every day. You know, every time I'm on stage, I come out. If I go to the bank, I come out. If I go and pick, what do you, do you mean? Know the like bank? Uh, if I preserve like our mortgage. Oh, okay. We're two women together. Do you know what I mean? Like, wherever we go... Not when you just take money out. No, I'm not like, hi, um, <laughs> I'm a lesbian. Can I have some extra? Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it, you know, the, the, yeah. the bank knows about it. The, you know, my, I have to tell my GP every time they say, and you're sure you're not pregnant? I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, so it's just, a, it's just an ongoing... It's just an ongoing thing that you always have to do, which is fine, but it means that you're always, you're always first of all, telling someone about your personal sort of sexual life to a degree... And then you're, you, you sometimes have reactions that you're not so, that, that aren't so kind. Mm. You know, certainly when I was first starting stand-up, it would be the most consistent heckle would be about my sexuality. It would never be about how funny I was. It would always be about my sexuality. God. And it would often be quite grim, like quite horrific. Imagine being that person. Oh, hor- horrible. Who thinks it, shouts it out. Yeah. That's horrific. beyond, isn't it? And so... Yeah, that would be the the thing that you that, that that is tough. But then you know, I think it's important to talk about that stuff and say, you know, like in the podcast, and say, you know, but I don't worry, I survived. Mm. And that's the um, yeah, that's what I hope to do with it. And I think that people enjoy it, and it's a you know, it's a pleasure to do. Mm. And it's you know, and it's nice that I you know, it, it, 
it's I, I'm the person that sort of like you know hosts it but people tell you know they really open up their hearts and tell their stories and you know we had skin from Skunk and Ancy this series and you know just really interesting people yeah. that I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to chat to you know that yeah. you sort of go oh you're an Emmy that we used to be uh interviewing someone's like oh you used to be an Emmy so what's that like and what do you yeah. do and what does it feel like and you know all that sort of stuff which I think is really interesting and do you like interviewing other comedians yeah, it's fun. Because I mean, you don't always get to have those conversations, I guess, when no, you're working. No, no. And, like, lots of them are my friends because comedy is really small. Mm. Like, in this country, like, we all know each other. Um, so, you know, from, like, the biggest names to newer comics, you know, not that you'd know everyone, but you'd know a good portion of those people. Uh, so, yeah, that's always really fun. And when I had Alan Carr on, he was brilliant. And Tom came on, of course, and he was excellent. And so, yeah, it is nice to just have different kinds of conversations. Definitely. And you were talking about when you're on stage and, you know, it's almost like you have to... I mean, do you think that bit of time when you were figuring out how to be come to terms with yourself between, like, 14 and 21, do you think that became quite a big driving force in what you do now? Do you know what I know? I think that I became so ambitious. So I decided I wanted to go to drama school when I was about 14. And I decided I would never come out because I remember watching um, Ellen, knowing that Ellen's TV show got cancelled, her sitcom got cancelled when she came out. I oh, yes. remember knowing that. God, that whole thing. And I so that. that was that that loomed really large in my mm. head. I was like, if you come out, you lose everything, so never come out. And I remember thinking, I can be an actress or I can be a lesbian, I'll be an actress. Um, and then I became enormously ambitious because I thought, I, I genuinely thought, and I find this quite sad now, I thought... I know that I'm gay, so if I'm really successful, my parents will have something to be proud of. Oh, wow. Is that too dark? No, I think it's really... It's I very honest. It's, well, it is honest, but I also think that's probably... There's always got to be something in there that makes you feel that there's a... Uh, what is the word? I think that there's a driving force between a lot of creatives, actually, yeah. with that feeling of, like... Have I done enough? Yeah. Is this the thing? Have I achieved it? Did it work? Yeah. I thought that that if I was really successful, it would sort of... Not that my parents are at all disappointed about my sexuality, but at the time, I really thought they would be before I'd come out. And I thought, well, at least if I've disappointed them in one one way, I can make them proud in another. But also, of course, without being too like armchair psychologist, that's also about yourself, isn't it? Yes, of course. About your own feeling about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, because I was... You know, because I, I had a lot of shame about being gay. Yeah. And so I really wanted to succeed, and it gave me a real driving force. And I was like, you know, once I came out of drama school, there wasn't a lot of work. I found stand-up a couple of years later, and then I was like, I gigged six nights a week, hmm. sometimes doing two on a Saturday. I used to have a little fixie bike that I would cycle all over London trying to get on. I would turn up at gigs that I didn't have, that I wasn't on, that I hadn't get a gig on, and say, will you put me on? Will you put me on for five? Just desperate to get good, to wow. be good enough. Um, and then, you know, I had like, it was about 10 years before I really started doing telly of like just going up to the Edinburgh Festival, having months where I would be okay. Then, you know, I had a couple of months where I was like, had an okay show. I did all right. Then writing another show going up and then I went, I did like six solo shows there. And the last four I was like selling out. And then every year I was trying to make the show better and then going into a bigger room and getting better and better and better and opening for different people on the road. And it was actually when I met Alice that she was like, you're good. Like, you can stop doing it in this mental way now. You can just, like, you, you've done it. And, but I think that that was really a, a fuel for me. And I think, weirdly, 
it, you know, I know this podcast is about, you know, spinning plates with, um, with tr- not, no, I don't know. I was about to say we're doing everything, but that, I don't think that is what this podcast is about. <laughs> but I think that having a child becoming a mum has actually slowed me down in a way that is beneficial to me, to like me as a partner, me as a mum, me as a daughter, but also beneficial to my career. I think I'm much funnier now because I don't need it as much. Oh, that's lovely. And also I was thinking, now that you're a mum as well, that thing you said about wanting to give that to your parents, that, that you had that, you know, despite being gay. Like, now that you're a mum, you can see that you would never feel yeah. like that. They would never feel like no, that. No, totally. But it's, you know, it's something that you have to work through. Definitely. And I think that talking about these sorts of things, whilst it's sometimes feels like you're really cracking yourself open and being really vulnerable, I think it's really important to go, oh, that is how I felt. That is yeah. the truth. That is the truth of how I felt about myself. Because I think quite often, certainly with you know, the gay rights movement, and we've come such a long way and we've, you know, we've got marriage equality and we've got lots of, you know, we can become parents in a myriad of ways, but it's important to still say, you know, it's not done. Yeah. There's still stuff that needs to be done. This homophobia is still alive and well in this country. You know, it's not, it's not just overseas that have, you know, opinions about people like me. And so whilst talking about it, there's always a little voice in my head going, stop banging on about being gay or turn people off. But I'm like, no, I need to shut you up because that because I don't think it will turn people off. I think people are interested even if they are straight, even if they've got the affliction of being straight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offence. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think it's... Um, it's definitely an ongoing thing, 100%. But I think there's so much strength in in community and conversations and mm. building. I sometimes feel like with this podcast, it's like I've been populating an island and maybe you're doing the same. You've populated this whole oh. island of people. I, but can I come to your... Can I get a little boat across to your well, island? I think we've got a little bridge. Oh, great. I'd love that. Because <laughs> obviously all the gays would want to come and watch you perform. I come like, Sophie's doing do a show. My, She's do doing a stand-up. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Susie's going to sing a song on my yeah. island tonight. Oh, God, I'd love that. <laughs> there we go. That's right. perfect. Oh, thank you so much. And oh, I'm I've loved it. Have an amazing gig tonight. Thanks so Put much. Put in the bit about the shoulder. I know. I'll try to. I'll try <laughs> you to. Tried, you got a 100% success rate oh, from yeah, the audience great. you tried on today. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> See, love Susie Ruffer. I hope you were laughing along with us there. I like it when I meet someone and we just get giggly. It's a fun feeling. And um, I'm speaking fast because, quite frankly, they found me. I was hiding from my kids while I speak to you and... Actually, they've quietened down. I could hear these little these little high-pitched larynxes on their way to me. But I shut the door and... It's quiet out there. It's quiet out there. Um... God, I'm in such a state with all my things. I'm surrounded. Uh, I've actually been sorting out some of my clothes, though, and I've got rid of a few things recently. That feels good, doesn't it? When I say get rid, I give them all to my local charity shop. So that's that's what I do with them. And this is... I don't know if you feel like this when you get rid of things to charity, but I give them to the same charity shop every time. And if I walk past that charity shop and they've put one of my, you know, my old dresses in the window... I feel really like, yeah, I want to be the window display item. It's happened to me a few times. I know it sounds big-headed of me, but it has. And I just get that little, yeah, that's my old dress. 
Now it's in the window of a shop. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I've also trying to work out what to wear for the Christmas tour. I've got a few ideas. I ordered something. It wasn't right. I'm sending it back. I've got some ideas. I just, I know exactly what I want and I just need to find it or get it made. And it's September and soon it'll be tour time. I go on tour in the middle of November. Yeah, I know it sounds ages away. It's not. It will come around quick. So that's what's on my mind right now. Oh, and writing some new music. I want to start my next album already. I know I'm still releasing stuff from Hannah, but I'm just feeling ready. I've got loads of ideas. I think sometimes you get this little flurry of of uh, creativity and you just got to seize it. So yes, going in the studio, all good stuff. But in the meantime, podcast is still one of my absolute favourite things. So thank you so much for continuing to find me here or if it's the first time you found us brilliant hello welcome to spinning plates please 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 keep your suggestions coming for more people to interview i've got a very long list myself obviously uh and i think i'm all set for this series well i am all set for this series but i'm starting to do the next series now and oh i've got some great ideas and some good people that are saying yes so please add names to the list you know me it can't be too crazy. It can't be too wild. Yet, you know what? Even if you haven't got a name of someone you would like me to chat to, maybe some jobs that you think would be an interesting thing for a working woman who happens to be a mother hmm, to be doing. What interesting jobs are out there? There's so many. Like the other day I was thinking things like a stunt woman. I'd love to speak to a stunt woman. And imagine being a stunt woman and then you go home to your children. That'd be crazy. Um... Stuff like that, yeah. I mean, I've always said astronaut. I really want to speak to an astronaut. One day it'll happen. I did actually get someone that said, yes, she'd speak to me, an astronaut. And then <laughs> and then the emails just stopped. She stopped replying to my emails. And I was like, well, it is like sending my emails out into the ether, which is quite fitting for someone who's spent a lot of their time in space. Anyway, I'm totally rambling. I'm sorry, I think it's I'm just full of a bit of euphoria that I'm in a quiet room and no one's coming to get me. The amount of times in this last week I've heard someone say, Mama, Mama, oh my goodness. Um, and, uh, you know, I did have a nice little moment earlier where they were all sat around the dinner table together. The four-year-old was talking to the 14-year-old and I was like, oh, I'm going to really miss this one day when they're older. But at the same time... It's nice to be in a quiet room right now. Anyway, I am rambling. I'm sorry about that. I will see you next week. Have a really good one. Thank you so much to Susie Ruffle for bringing her her sparkly wit. Thank you to Claire Jones for producing the podcast. Thank you to Richard Jones for editing it. Thank you to Ella May for her beautiful artwork. And mainly thank you to you for your gorgeous ears. Thanks for giving me some time and I'll see you in a week. Lots of love. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.